Bible, and then I got this book, and then I actually am starting to run out of uh, poetry books that I own for the poems at the end of the episode. So now I'm having to like Google poems. This one's a good one that I that I read before, but I couldn't find my Philip Larkin book. Me recommending a poem would be like asking a dog for you know tips on trying to get a better tax return. <laughs> it is a unique art form in the same way that like lyrics are where you can say something that should be like I don't feel like I've ever read anything in a poem that I was like I I never could have ever thought about this uh I I would have never come up with this thought myself it's usually like I would have never said what they're trying to say in the way that they're saying it yeah and Um, sometimes it can be such a simple thing like I think to lyrics you know like like Daniel Johnston I feel like um you know when when he sings, you know, some things last a long time, Yeah, you know, that's like the, mo- that's the simplest thing that you could possibly think. And, and it would sound trite coming from 99% of people. But when, when he says it, you feel it and you feel it so deeply. And, and when something is so simple and, and you can make someone, you, you know, feel something so, so completely deep with that simple sentiment, that's perfection in my eyes. I think that music is like a unique, is the the most unique uh, kind of art form in that way too, because your voice is not just um, how how you're saying the words that you're saying or singing, but it can change what is being said just by a different like tonality or a different timbre or whatever. Yeah. Like, like I, I can think like, you know, like uh, all the beat happening records that I love, you know, <laughs> you yeah, know, that guy's got a weird fucking voice. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like, it, it just comes across as like, yeah, a guy who sounds like this would have these thoughts, <laughs> you know, um, they're just very simple thoughts, you know, um, you know, I like you, we used to be together, you know, like stuff like that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that, that's, that's the kind of thought. Those are the kind of thoughts that a guy that sounds like that would have. And it just makes sense. You know, one of my most frequent intrusive thoughts, music, musical intrusive thoughts is the chorus to Indian summer. Um, yeah. <laughs> Just over and over, it drives my partner crazy because I'll just be, welcome back for Indian summer. Yeah, and it just becomes more deadpan and more <laughs> every time. It's amazing how it happens. It's like one of those meme videos that, you know, like uh, it's a uh, it's um, all star. But every time he sings it, it, it gets like slower, you know, like by a tenth of a percent or something like that. I, people spend a lot of time making that stuff, man. It's very funny to me. Uh, more power to them. That's something to do with your time. I yeah, guess. It, it, th- I mean, what else, what else do we do with our time? I, you know, that's true nihilism right there. Making, <laughs> just spending your time making smash mouth meme videos or like, it, you know, um, it's all star, but it's also smells like teen spirit and it's also Casio eight bit. And it's also uh nightcore, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I saw, uh, I saw one that was um, never meant, by American football, but it was also um, that Michelle Branch song. Uh, 
percent making my way downtown, falling fast. No, no, that's Vanessa Carlton. Well, Vanessa Carlton, yeah. You absolute twit. Come on. You How know can you. I possibly get those two mixed up? How could you get that? Michelle Branches, you're everywhere to me. Yeah, I, I okay. To, I had that on a CDR. I put that on a CDR for a girl. Oh my God, I thought I was just everything. That was God's gift to man. You know, it's just, now I know much different. Yeah. Speaking of God, uh, I guess we should get to the Bible study podcast, Absolutely. shouldn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Go with the formula. Do whatever you want. You know. Okay. I'm here like malleable clay. <laughs> I think we're going to talk about clay in this in this chapter. Actually, there's um right a bit about jars clay. I listened to a very very long sermon today about this particular chapter, and it was talking about how we're leaky and how all right, the, the we're these uh, clay jars that are unfinished and unfired. So they're just right, by nature yeah. very porous. And so mm-hmm. the, the Holy Spirit is poured into us and then we just kind of leak it out all the time and we have to continually um, fill the the leaky jar with the Holy Spirit or we're just going to be oh, an yeah. empty, wet mess of clay. Right up. It's, it's like you can't just drink eight glasses of water one day and then expect that to satiate you, yeah. you know, until your last gasping breath, you know? Okay. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Trans Regret Snoopy Presents the Bible. I've got a very special guest today. I have Brendan Cooper, my friend of uh, quite some time. Welcome, Brendan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm very excited for this. You know, we've been discussing um, the potential to, to like doing an episode together and, and try to, trying to kind of hone in on what it was we were going to talk about. And, and we landed in Romans, which is um, not something that we've discussed on the show yet. We've, we've done a little bit of some of Paul's epistles elsewhere. But this particular letter is a really interesting one. But before we get into that, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself and how faith plays a part in your life? Um, well, let's see. Uh, I've, uh, I, I currently, w- what I do is I, I work a job that allows me to do what I tr- uh, truly love doing. Um, and, and that's kind of, you know, um, what can consumes me most of the time. I, and I, what I love doing is just focusing on my art, um, I, I draw a lot. I write a lot. Um, I'm, I'm trying to kind of gather all of those thoughts together and try to put them into one graphic novel. And so I'm just trying to come up with a bigger idea for that. And, and I make music as well. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's basically what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your uh, your religious background. Oh, yes. Um, uh, so I was initially not really raised, uh, in any, um, type of faith. My mom was raised, uh, Catholic. She went to Catholic school. Uh, that was back when, you know, the nuns were pretty, you know, still pretty hardcore in, in the Catholic schools. Um, so she didn't have a great <laughs> memory of that. Um, and, uh, she rebelled, you know, pretty hardcore and she was, you know, a, a hippie lived in a big hippie house, big hippie commune. Um, you know, got pregnant, had me, you know, was living with uh, my father and I, um, my father ended up leaving and she had to uh, come back and live with her mother. And uh, at that time, um, my grandmother had uh, converted from uh, Catholicism to uh, becoming one of Jehovah's Witnesses. 
And, um, my mom hated this even, even more than, than she hated, you know, the fact that, you know, my grandmother was Catholic. I mean, she, I, she hated the witnesses even more. Um, and so when she had to kind of swallow her pride and move up with my grandmother, you know, my grandmother was like, all right, that's fine. You can, you can live up here, but just know that, you know, I mean, I'm not going to have you disrupting, you know, when, when people come over and study the Bible with me and, uh, et cetera. And, uh, my mom was okay with that. And not only that, um, she was offered a Bible study and she accepted it. She accepted a Bible study with, uh, the witnesses, um, on, basically with the, um, desire to prove them exactly wrong. <laughs> and she was, you know, going to find out exactly what, you know, what they were teaching that was not from the Bible. Um, and, and she was, uh, joining this Bible study just so that she could disprove everything that they were, you know, kind of teaching my grandmother. Um, and, uh, she was not able to find anything that they were teaching that wasn't straight from the Bible. And that really impressed her. And, uh, then she started studying and, and, um, it became something that she truly loved to do. And, and she got baptized as one of Jehovah's witnesses, um, when I was around uh, nine or 10 and, um, you know, I, I she started taking me to the meetings. Um, and, and one thing when you go to those meetings is, it, you know, everyone gets taught in the same uh, room. There's no, you know, there's no separate, uh, you know, Sunday school for children or anything. So you're all, you know, everyone has to kind of sit still and learn to pay attention. I think that's, you know, so important, you know, especially when you look at the, at the kids of today and not to sound like I'm a million years old, but <laughs> you know, they're, they're just not able to pay attention to anything. And I think that, that witness uh, youths are, are really supremely able to pay attention at an early age, um, you know, due to this, but in any case, so I started, you know, going to meetings and, uh, um, they, they don't, you know, teach you to like, you're not a witness just automatically because you go to meetings, you, you truly have to make it your own and you have to make your decision as an adult, of consenting age, you know, I mean, it, it can come about, you know, um, at different ages, but really when you can tell that someone is able to make their decision for themselves and it's not their parents, then they can make a decision to get baptized. So that's, what's, you know, stressed because it's again, given a biblical, um, you know, because Jesus was, you know, 29 when he was baptized, he wasn't baptized as a child. So, mm. um, so yeah, I eventually did make it my own. When I was 14, I got baptized as uh, one of Jehovah's Witnesses. And I, I was able to continue that um, until uh, I was in my late 20s. And it's not anything that I ever stopped believing, but I just had a series of kind of traumatic events uh, go on in my life. Um, you know, I, I got divorced. Um, I, I, you know, I, I didn't handle that well at all. I mean, it's, it's a hard thing for anyone to go through, I think. I'm actually, I actually divorced the same person twice. Uh, so that, yeah, that's, that's a fun fact about me. Um, so, you know, I, I take divorce as serious as the Bible does. I mean, you don't divorce just on, you know, irreconcilable differences. I mean, it takes, you know, uh, something graver than that, you know, mm -hmm. sure. um, so without getting into exactly what happened, you know, I, I just didn't deal with it well. So it was kind of like, I felt like one of those plate spinners, like one, and, and one of the plates had to come down without everything coming down, you know? Um, and, and I felt like that, that plate was just me giving it my all, you know, 
spiritually. And, um, I just wasn't able to, you know, go to all the meetings and, and truly live my life as I was preaching to others about, I didn't want to be hypocritical. Um, so therefore if, if I wasn't able to live my life as I knew was right, according to God's word, then I, I wasn't going to be telling people to do so. Cause I, I just felt like that, that was just below, I, I wouldn't be able to live, you know, with myself. So I'd rather live, you know, sinfully and then just not tell people, to, you know, to, to live, uh, differently, um, yeah. you know? And so that, that went on for quite a while and it, it was always in the back of my head. It was never anything that I forgot. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm rusty now, you know, uh, cause I'm just now trying to get back into it. There's so much to talk about there with, you know, what you just shared and thank you for sharing because there's, there's a lot, I mean, it seems like specifically the theme of not kind of half-assing anything, right? Don't, don't be lukewarm in your faith. If you're ready to do this, then do this. If you're not, take time. God can wait. If you're willing to say that this is going to be a priority for you, um, you can, you can live uh, in the flesh for only so long until you either come to God or you die. One thing that's always stayed constant with me is I've always known this to be the truth. I've always known that the Bible is the truth. And, you know, even when it's cost me relationships, I mean, I think this past relationship that I had, um, which will be my last relationship that I try to have with anyone that's not, um, you know, I mean, this is going to be absolutely my last foray into uh, trying to have a relationship with someone who doesn't share my faith. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's just, it, it's impossible, I think. That's interesting. It's, it, you know, it's written a lot actually about in the Bible, um, cross sort of cross interfaith relationships yeah, yeah, um, because of how complicated of a situation it was at that time. That Christianity was so new that right. um, a lot of people were trying to convince their partner. They, they had gotten on board. They were, they were part of the, of the team and their husband weren't, wasn't, really feeling that didn't really understand it couldn't really get on board yeah, and when it's such a big part of your life you know um it, it it's 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 like you know it's like a car you know um it doesn't matter that you have like a Volkswagen you know Jetta and your friend has a Volkswagen Jetta if if one of those is a diesel Volkswagen Jetta you, you can't put you know regular fuel in it. You know, it it doesn't matter how much you have in common with someone. If, if the thing that just courses through your body isn't the same, it's, it's not going to work out, you know? So when you and I kind of reconnected on, uh, on Twitter, um, and, and started talking about doing this podcast together, you'd had kind of a breakthrough. Can you explain that? Yeah. Um, it was really, um, it was really cool how we, how we kind of, uh, got together on this because I had known that you were doing this podcast, um, you know, for, for quite some time. Um, but you know, obviously I hadn't reached that point where I felt like I was ready for people to know this about me because I didn't feel like I was, you know, going to be a good example of someone who calls themselves, you know, um, you know, Jehovah's witness. Uh, and I'm still not such because, I need to get back into doing exactly what I should do as one of those. But in any case, um, but yeah, so I was having extreme anxiety about driving to work, um, 
just because, you know, the, the roads have been super icy around here and, and, uh, the weather was bad. And, um, you know, my car is just kind of a death trap right now. I don't have, you know, money to like fix <clears throat> a lot of things that need to be fixed in it. Um, so it's just been a lot of anxiety and I was just having, um, anxiety about that and uh, a few other things. And you know what I, I said, I said, you know what, I, I, I've tried everything and I'm being so pigheaded in knowing that the, the one thing that has never proved me wrong, that's never failed me in life. You know, I, I would be stupid to not, you know, give it a try. And, and I, I just started praying and I, I said, you know, God, and, and you know, when, when I pray, you know, I, I, I use his name. Um, and of course, you know, it, it's a close approximation of, of what the name could be. There's no way for us to absolutely know it, but you know, we, we do use the name Jehovah. So, you know, I, I prayed to him and I said, Jehovah, you know, I, I know that you're listening because I have faith that you listen to everyone that earnestly, you know, is seeking you. And here I am, I have $11 until, you know, my next payday, which was at that point, like probably, I think five days out and I, I needed to get gas in my car. So it really wasn't even $11. And, you know, I was thinking like, I don't have any food, you know, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm having anxiety about going to work. You know, I had tried everything before that point, you know, that, that everything that you, that usually kind of like calms me, like a, like a, like a teat calms a, a crying baby. You know, I tried listening to old Longmont, po uh, Potion Castle cassettes and, and stuff. And, and that usually just, you know, starts me laughing and then I feel okay, but nothing was working, you know, and I was just having almost like a full blown, like panic attack. And, you know, I said, I said, I'm going to just put on a book of the Bible and I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to let it play. I don't even have to read. I just have to sit here and I just have to hear it. And it was the book of Hebrews, um, actually. And I just kind of let it play. And, uh, I, I knew that I remembered, you know, that, that I used to really like the book of Hebrews. Um, even though a lot of the knowledge of the specifics of why had, had left me, um, due to disuse, you know, mm -hmm. um, but it truly, you know, helped me and, and it got me at least able to, you know, put on my clothes and, and get ready for work. And, you know, I was thankful for that, but at that time I still wasn't attributing it to some kind of divine event, you know? Um, and, uh, and then, I went to work and I went to the gas station before, you know, actually going into work and they had a deal on the door that said like, you know, you get like a mini sub and like, and a, and a bowl of soup and like uh, chips and like a soda for five bucks. And I said, well, you know what? That seems like a good deal. That should keep me for two days because <laughs> it'll have to, you know? Um, and, uh, and so I went in there and I asked for it and he said, Oh, sorry, kitchen's closed. And I, th and I think to myself, well, isn't that just my luck, you know? Um, but then he points over to this, this, uh, kind of like heated display case full of unsavory things. And he says, you can have one of those though, if you want. And I look and it's like four giant, you know, kind of hot pocket, look at looking things with like pepperoni pizza, like stuff in the middle. 
things that are not the things that, that will definitely kill you, you know? Um, <laughs> and I'm like looking at him, I'm like, I really don't want one of those. He's like, no, 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 here, just take those. And I look over to them and he's like, literally just take all of those. I was saving those for someone tonight, you know, cause I was about to throw them out. Um, and, uh, just, just have all of them. So there was like, five huge, you know, hot pocket thingies. Again, these are not things I would have chosen to eat, <laughs> but they were free and they were given to me. And I was like, that's okay. That's something right there. All right. We're getting somewhere. And then I go to work and then there's this, uh, lovely Russian lady that works at the food service place where I work. And she sometimes will come by and she'll bring me like a burger or something that, you know, they were going to toss or, or whatever at the end of the shift. Cause you know, these stupid protocols that are so wasteful, but don't even let me get into that. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so she usually will hand, hand me one, but she doesn't like the girl that I work with. And so when I work there with the girl, she, she will usually not offer me a burger cause she doesn't want to see that she's a burger giver and, you know, and she doesn't want the girl that she hates to see, that she gives me a burger, you know, and then she would feel like, ah, I, I'm compelled to give a burger to this, you know, person that I don't like. And so once I saw her coming up to the the booth, I was thinking, ah, oh, man, this stinks. You know, she's not going to give me a burger because she sees that like I'm working with this girl, you know? Um, but, you know, she comes up to the booth and then she kind of like motions to me she, and she's like, here, here don't tell her. And she gives me like this <laughs> bag full of like six burgers. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. So I have now, if you're, if you're keeping up since I had this breakdown and, and, you know, pleaded to God to just, you know, it, and basically almost just said, Hey, you know, show your face or else, you know, I'm just going to keep on being a sinful, you know, piece of crap. You know, I'm just going to con continue being debauched you know, it, unless you really show me something here. And it was really mean of me, honestly, to do that because what else did I think was going to happen? But, but God <laughs> just showed me, God showing me love it, 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 I mean, I felt like, I felt like, uh, um, Jonah, I felt like Jonah or, uh, you know, when, when he was, you know, bitching and moaning about having to preach the Ninevites and yet God still blessed him. And, and, you know, um, and even after they were saved and, and he was still, you know, Jeremiah, when the bottle gourd plant, you know, <laughs> and it dried up and he was still complaining and, and yelling at God and God can still continually bless him. Um, and why didn't I think that that was going to be the case? I mean, what hubris I had, you know? And so if you're keeping track, you know, we have like, four individual slices of pizza and like six of those hot pocket things from that one place. And I've got like four burgers from this lady. I now have food to keep me until, you know, until my paycheck basically, a a which would not have been possible because I don't like to ask for help <laughs> and, and just, I would have gone without whatever. Um, uh, and, and not only that, you all, you also, we were having this conversation and it happened to be, you know, my birthday and, um, you know, you just out of nowhere, just, you know, uh, hit me up and it was very generous that, you know, uh, I, I got not only, you know, monetary gifts from you, but also other people who I have been not really in communication with for the longest time, such an outpouring of support and love and messages and then also just the food that I got that, that 
I, I'm sorry. It was divine. It was, <laughs> it was from God. And I, I dare anyone to tell me different it, you know, I'm sorry. You're not going to tell me it, it, it was different because this was like, un, uh, unlike anything that I had, that had ever happened to me aside from the times that it had happened to me when I was fully serving Jehovah God. And <laughs> mm-hmm. I had forgotten that because it had been so long, but those are the kind of things that, that used to happen to me regularly when I was serving God, you know, blessings coming from no, from out, out of thin air. And these are things that did not happen when I wasn't serving him. And you know what? I, I can't deny it. Can't deny it anymore. And I'm giving my life to him. That's incredible. I mean, it says over and over again in the Bible, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find. Like, this is not a concept that is that there's any ambiguity about, right? But for some reason, in our lowest points in our lives, we tend to forget this. We tend to yeah. like look and say, there's no hope for me. There's no way I'm going to make it out of this. There's no way I'm going to be able to to eat this week or there's no way I'm going to be able to, you know, um, accomplish this task that I, that I feel like I can, I can't accomplish. God is there to help you all the time. So right. it, it's right. simply just a case of asking. And, 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 and not only that though, but in conjunction with you asking that you have to work in accordance with it. And that's what the Bible says. And it's like that. And that's why I, I won't half-ass it, you know, and, and, and I'm not here to say, I'm not here to be dogmatic. I, I truly, anyone who feels like they are doing, you know, their part to get closer to God, I, I approve of it. I love it. Um, this is just my personal kind of path, I guess. Um, but I don't think that I would be able to follow anything that didn't come like straight from the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been pretty expressed in, in this show about my, um, my sort of hesitation to align myself specifically with any particular denomination or, um, or church, because I'm still, I mean, this sort of like revelatory rebirth of, of spirituality for me is something that I'm still learning. I'm That's still, it. yeah, I'm still getting out there in the world. I mean, you know, he, he's going to show you the path. Like you don't even need to worry about it. <laughs> and I've already seen, you know, I, I don't like to go into a lot of detail about my personal life um, sure. on the show, but a, a literal miracle happened to me this week. And, and something that had been this source of anxiety and concern and terror, uh, it disappeared. And there was there was no explanation from anyone involved how it happened. It just happened. Yep. And that is God speaking through us. If you give yourself over, you don't need to necessarily be perfect. But if you yeah. are in Christ, then um, the, the right things will happen, which leads us into Romans 8. I'm going yes. to give a little bit of uh, introduction from the voice their introductory little passages I find are really helpful because they're very plain spoken. Sure. And, um, and this says, uh, Romans, uh, letter to the church in Rome from Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. Rome was the center of the known world. It was the cradle of civilization, commerce, culture, and home to a military machine under the command of Caesar, the most powerful man in the world. The most influential city on the planet was on the frontier of the Jesus movement a place where God was bringing together Jews and non-Jews into one community to follow Jesus' teachings. 
A group of believers was gathering and a church of great importance was forming from a ragamuff from ragamuffin believers who had been touched by the power of the gospel. We need to use that word a lot more. <laughs> ragamuffin. <laughs> uh, but they do not appear to have had the leadership of the Lord's emissaries. The, those who had walked with and had been uh, handpicked by Jesus, this church uh, had become the seedbed of the spread of the gospel across the known world. So Paul recognized the importance of articulating the whole gospel to this body of believers and preparing them for their missional calling to the world. So Paul sees how very influential uh, a place like Rome is and, and what kind of impact that they could have um, on the world as they spread the message, the message of Jesus. And, uh, and he, he's very careful to uh, elucidate every single aspect of what he believes to be the correct theology of Christianity. Yeah, and sometimes I, I remember as a kid, I, I used to think, gosh, you know, Paul is so long-winded. Like, <laughs> why, why do you need to lay this out in such detail? But then when you get this maturity to, to understand why it needed to be so detailed, and really this is like what the Constitution is to, you know, our country, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just the, it's the groundwork. And yes, there was going to be some malleability uh, to to the different rules and, and you know, um, according to the way people change, you know, but um, this was the, this was the bones, basically. And Romans is the longest letter that Paul wrote. Um, it is the one that seems to have the most weight to it, and it is the, the most comprehensive. It also includes some very, like, um, quotable passages. Paul is, like, eminently quotable, and he's got all kinds of, of, uh, of theological concepts that he kind of invents in his, in his letters that, that come from the teachings of Jesus and his experience with, you know, learning through Christ. So uh, let's just dive in at uh, chapter eight and, and we can kind of pick this apart as we go. Sure. So the life in the spirit, chapter eight, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So we're already setting apart two pathways in life, right? Yep. There is living according to the flesh and um, according to earthly law. And then mm -hmm. there is living according to the spirit and according to God's law. Right. And God, in his mercy, sent Jesus to earth to live in what they call here sinful flesh or to be in the image of sinful flesh in order to distinguish these two paths, in order to divide them and show you, well, here is, uh, here is what you are doing and here's what right. you ought to do. Exactly. Just kind of uh, serving as a delineation. He's the best teacher. That's why everybody oh. called him rabbi, at least at the time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just imagining him to, you know, he wasn't, he was a diminutive man, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. We forget 
when we read the Bible, how short all these people were. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is, you know, th- and this is in a time where, you know, people were just five, four and men were five, four, you know, uh, that was, that was a, a reasonable height for a man. Um, you know, so thinking of him as, as being diminutive, even to those standards and also having, you know, damaged eyesight, you know, and this was a thorn in the flesh that he continually asked to, to have removed. Um, you know, this was something that, that pained him and it made his life difficult, you know, but, um, he, he wasn't a physically imposing person. So to think of how beautiful of a teacher he must've been, you know, it, it, to, to be able to command crowds, uh, those things seemingly would have been very hard to overcome, especially in a time before electronics and megaphones and, and whatnot. And it's, it was said that Paul, while his like, um, Paul, while his theology was, uh, was like very, uh, verbose and he would write at length about all kinds of things that he was actually a, a very quiet man. And he was also just like a very kind of short in stature and, and not, not a big presence in, you know, in real life, uh, which I always find fascinating. It's almost like these people like, you know, going to the literary world, like Alexander Pope, who was like historically very short and, and very kind of impish, uh, had, had carried so much weight in his world because right. of, um, because of the power of his mind, his intellect, not because of the power of his body. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's, it, it's, um, it's certainly something that we can take from that. You know, it doesn't matter how, how we're built physically, you know, as far as whether we can serve God, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of frailties that we have, um, whether they be mental, you know, um, or physical, you know, or emotional, um, we can overcome all of those things and, and serve him, uh, to the best of our ability. And, and it's beautiful to him. So the, um, the passage in chapter eight, verse five, will come back to what you and I were just talking about as far as um, having this time in our lives, these seasons of our lives where um, it almost seems like our faith isn't completely gone, but we've, um, we've lost the plot a little bit. We've, we've strayed from the path. It says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I think it's pretty clear. We're not really supposed to give ourselves over to our carnal desires, despite the fact that they're very tempting sometimes. Yeah, and and that's the thing. And it's like, we're all going to have something. You know, it's you know, me personally, I like, I, I've never had, you know, um, I, I've never had an addictive personality, but I think it's going to be hard for me to abstain from, uh, from sex before marriage, because that's something that I truly believe, uh, you know, that is a biblical mandate. And again, it's not something that is fun, <laughs> especially <laughs> for me who, who likes having sex and is good at it. I mean, I'm, Sorry, I'm not trying to be Mr. Too Much Information here, but, you know, um, it, it sucks that I know that I'm good at it. I, I wish that I didn't know these things, uh, you know, um, it would probably be a lot easier. But that's going to be the thing that, that I have to work on the most. It's not going to be shooting heroin into my arm. 
Um, but everyone has carnal desires that they are going to have to deny um, if they truly want to live for God. And it's not really a compromise. And that's very scary. It's very scary to think about. But when you think of the love behind it, then that fear subsides. That is, I mean, this is the world we live in today couldn't be more um, directed towards this living for the flesh, living for the moment, living for this immediate gratification, this feeling that we must satisfy our need right now. There is absolutely no value placed on um, uh, waiting. You know, it's funny that you say that. I actually, um, I actually wrote a poem the other day. And it was uh, the first poem I've written in quite a while. And I didn't even realize it was a poem until it was on the page. And I was like, hey, that's a poem. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I don't know if that makes a valid poem or not. Um, But yeah, this poem, if you'll allow me uh, real real quick, it's probably not even 20 seconds. Yeah, go Um, ahead. uh, But kind of touched on that. Uh, Here we go. Times have changed. The despicable Cretan youth demand fables in which a turtle gets murdered, execution style, left to bleed out into the river. Slow and steady are his last breaths. And that's it. (laughs) That's dark. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I mean, it it speaks to the fact that like, like the fables, the the old timey fables, like kids that hear that, like, you know, it resonates zero with them. The only thing that resonates with them are, you know, um, things that they see on TV, everything that's trying to grab their attention. I mean, they, they don't want to hear you tell them a fairy tale unless someone gets killed in it. I mean, they, they just couldn't care less, you know? Yeah, but that's, yeah, exactly. That's that's the world we're in now. That's the, yeah. yeah. So it, it's it's hard to deny ourselves these carnal desires because guess what? We want something that feels good in this life because a lot of stuff feels bad. Life feels bad a lot of the time you know i'm not telling any tales out of school here to to steal a norm mcdonald uh, you know quote <laughs> um but yeah life life makes us feel bad uh, yeah, a lot so um it's a very easy thing to to get something that's going to make us feel good in this world because the world is constantly handing us things you know it's tempting us in many different ways. Um, And is the thing that feels good to us now, the thing that's actually going to feel good in the long run, or is it just the something that feels good now? And um, it's, it's a distraction from the thing that we really ought to do. There's a, there's a passage in, I try to pull this book in from time to time because I really think it's like super foundational and very, very important as far as um, Christian teaching and taking from the Bible and, and putting it into action. The, the book, The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, um, in the chapter called How a Man Should Order Himself in His Desires, uh, my son says, our Savior Christ, you should speak thus in everything that you desire. Lord, if it be your will, be it done as I ask. And if it be to your praise, let it be fulfilled in your name. And if you see that is good and profitable to me, Give me grace to use it to your honor. If you know it to be hurtful to me and not profitable in the health of my soul, then take it away from me, such desire. Yep. Um, that's, this is um, the delineation, which is very, very difficult to draw the things that feel good and the things that are good. 
Yeah, definitely. And, and it, but it's, it's just like you said, though, um, you, you know, if, if we constantly bombard ourselves with these things that make us feel good now, um, we're not even going to give us, give ourselves uh, a chance to, to know that they're not the things that don't make us feel good later. Cause we, there's never a later cause it's always now. <laughs> it's always now. <laughs> we're always thinking about now and we're not thinking about tomorrow. Uh, so we're always, uh, you know, giving ourselves these things that we think we need now. And it's always now. And we always have those things now and we always feel good now. And we know that we won't feel good later, but that's when we'll have more things for now, which will be now soon, you know? So um, it's, it's just this now, now, now mentality where we're not truly thinking about the health of our, eternal souls. <laughs> you know? the, yeah, the prospect of eternity is very complicated. I mean, yeah. it, it's something that most people can't really even wrap their minds around because they go, uh, I don't know if heaven exists. I don't know if hell exists. I'm, I, I don't really want to worry about eternal damnation or eternal life or eternal salvation or, uh, you know, it, it's so far out of our minds. It, it's almost like, um, I, I forget what the name of this uh, kind of theory or, or something is called, but um, it, it's almost like you would rather not know the possibility of something uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and be oblivious to it because just knowing it is going to like ruin your life. <laughs> um, but it's not that it ruins your life. It's just that it, you know, it makes it so that w once you see that, Hey, you know, there's a possibility <laughs> that this life isn't all there is. And that, there's actually something way better on the horizon and my actions in this life could affect that. Once you kind of gain that clarity in knowing that it's a non-zero percent chance that that's the case, well, you should probably get your stuff in order. I mean, <laughs> if that's truly what you think now, if it's not what you think, then it won't bother you. That's fine. You know, there are a lot of people that, that think that and then someone tells them that, Hey, there's a possibility that what you're doing in this life could affect you know, eternity. And they say, there's no eternity and, and they're fine. And, and that's fine for them. Um, but for me, it was not the case. And uh, it's, it's just been something that's always been in my mind. And it's, it's like when I think uh, it was it Isaiah or Jeremiah that said, uh, or it might've been Nehemiah actually that said, uh, God's word became like a fire in his belly, you know, when he tried to not speak about it. Hmm. Um, I believe it was Jeremiah actually. Um, and so we want the word of God to become like a fire in our belly. You have to build up this fire inside of you. You have to, um, if it's really, truly inside of you, if it's really, truly in your heart, you will yeah. feel it no matter where you are, no matter, um, no matter how, uh, you know, what kind of position you're in. And this is what the next, um, the next verse says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. This is like a very complicated bit of theology here. Right. Uh, it sounds like, I think for people that aren't really um, super dug into the word, 
it'll probably sound a little bit wishy-washy and, and a little bit um, confusing, but ultimately the message is, uh, I think what the voice uh, Bible little blurb says here is, is super accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Paul ponders the story of redemption, he finds in the family unit a beautiful image of what salvation means. Those who enter into God's salvation are adopted into God's family. The power of sin and death has been eclipsed by the power of the Spirit. The Spirit breathes life into our mortal, sin-infested bodies, thanks to what Jesus has done for us. By sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, God judges sin finally and completely. So, yeah, it's um, the, the message clearly, I think, to me is that we set ourselves apart from the rest of the world. We set ourselves apart from the flesh, apart from worldly desires, by being in Christ, by accepting that this is our this is our path, this is our love, this is our future. Truly, and if we truly believe that the same power of God that you know re- resides in Him to be able to resuscitate His Son from the dead, which He showed everyone, well, then we should also believe that that same power is enough to awaken the Word within us. Yeah, I think that's what it's really getting at. We, that we should have that faith that you know. If, if this, well, then this. So if we do believe that Christ truly was raised, well, then we believe that God has that power. Okay, well, that's not so hard to think. Well, let's translate that to our life. You know, if we truly believe in the ransom sacrifice, then, then we need to believe that God is going to help us pay our bills without selling a part of our Adderall to someone who doesn't have a prescription because that's not right to do. <laughs> uh, these are just things that we need to think about. And it's harder to make that decision because money is right now. Rent is right now. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, to actually believe that God's going to take care of you, it really takes a lot. It takes a lot more than just saying, well, yeah, I believe in the ransom sacrifice, but do I believe that, not being felonious in a certain way to get quick money. Do I believe that God's going to take care of me then? I mean, yeah, it should be that real to you, but it takes, it takes work. It does. And that bit about um, being adopted into a family is what's the, the next verse is going to cover in verse 12, uh, heirs with Christ. So then brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And of course, my NRSV is saying sons and daughters of God. They like to gender neutralize everything. Sure, uh, yeah. <laughs> but It's funny because, you know, in that, in that way, it actually was kind of a gender neutral you know, when they talk about the sons of Israel, you know, it, it was, you know, the, you know, the, the progeny, you know, it was all of the, you know, it was the, all the entire nation of Israel. So yeah. it, it, it essentially started out being such, but yeah, I, I can see where, you know, adding, you know, um, gender inclu- inclusivity, um, you know, could definitely help a lot of people kind of be more open to hearing the word of God, because I think that stops a lot of people, you know? It is strange to me, and this is a whole other topic, probably for a whole other episode, but it is strange to me how many people have locked themselves out of Christianity because they feel in some way that it is inherently sexist, which I don't think it could be further from the truth. I mean, the way that Mary 
uh, has this essential, absolute essential role in um, in the birth and the story of Jesus Christ and the way that, um, you know, women were participating in Jesus's ministry at the time. And, um, and it's like, we get lost in these little tiny words in this book that is so important. It's like, focus on the big picture a little bit. Yeah, right. Well, it's the same thing with like people who say that every Scorsese film is sexist and, and a mob movie. It, you know, <laughs> it's not going to change these people's minds. They're the ones who have to like actually take that tiny little baby step into, okay, let me get over this hurdle and then find out all the that, uh, you know, all the crap that's wrong or, or whatever. Once they just take that little baby step, okay, now you will be more inclined to see what it's all about. But, you know, the onus is on them, I think, <laughs> you know. The, uh, the next passage in verse 15 and on is this delineation between uh, slavery to God and being a child of God. And I think it's a really important distinction because sometimes we get wrapped up in this notion, especially people who have either fallen away from the church or have never really had a kind of personal connection with Jesus, that they think uh, all that God is out to do or all that the message of Jesus is out to do is to regulate us and to control us and to treat us like prisoners, where um, in reality, this is truly uh, someone or something, I guess. Um, I, again, I kind of rail against anthropomorphizing God too much because sure. he's so much more complicated than, than a person. Right. But uh, this is an entity that wants nothing but the best for us, that wants nothing but for us to grow and be well and be, and, and be happy. So yeah. this is like the relationship of, of a father to a child not the relationship of a, a jailer to a prisoner or a, a debtor to a creditor. I, I honestly think if, if people like thought that, you know, if we think about the most utopian kind of human society and government, it, it's still something that would have regulations and laws. You know, it, it's not like it would be pure anarchy, you know, cause I, I, I just don't see, a, you know, society functioning that way, but um, but it, there, there would still be things that, that people would have to abide by, but they wouldn't see those things as, as, um, burdensome. I mean, Jesus railed against the Pharisees and the Sadducees for having 700 oral traditions that they added to burden the law that was already there, you know? And the only, the only rules are the ones that were directly handed down. We don't need to expound on those. We don't need to to create new and yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you're you're completely right. The uh, the ideal um, society is one not that is lawless or or one that doesn't require some sort of authority or governing body, but one where that authority or governing body is one that genuinely cares for us and loves us and wants the best for us, rather than valuing profit or valuing authority or valuing power. I mean, those are the things that where that's where we fall as humans. Yeah. Because I think generally the people that value, I think like, you know, uh, wanting more socialism or more communism are, are people that by and large just want more community and want the people in their community to be better taken care of, cared for by the government. And mm. I, I think that's just all, that's what we all want if we're not billionaires, you know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, because apparently it's just, 
it's just not congruent. And you either want a billion dollars or you want to just live a life and be good to people. You know, um, you can't have both. Um, it's almost like you can't serve God and money. There, there was somebody who said that one time. Uh, who was that? Die hard too, I think. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, but yeah, so it's, you know, just, just allow yourself. Um, and, and I think that someone who is listening to this podcast has already taken that step. But, you know, maybe try to help um, someone that you feel needs just that tiny nudge in the right direction to, to be like, Hey, I know that you think that the Bible is, is stupid, but you know what? How about this? Just read this one small passage and just try to forget that it's from the Bible that you hate, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that you hate for no real apparent reason, other than like, you've been told like Bible bad, Jesus bad <laughs> yeah, throughout exactly. your entire life, because, uh, this is like the 21st century. This is like, we've been taught to forsake any any God and, and worship the only God, which is like shopping malls and amazon.com. Right. You know, like try to try to take it outside of the context of like Westboro Baptist crazy people. You know what I mean? Like, let's, let's just try to think about something as just pure and wholesome and good for you. And then just let's, let's start from there. And if you don't agree with it after that, then fine, but give it a chance because even you know, despicable Cretans like me can, can try to do better. (laughs) (laughs) You know I mean? And, and, you know, miserable man that I am, that's what I say a lot, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. So at, at, uh, at chapter eight, verse 15, he says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, father, Abba, father was like, um, the way I've heard it described is like Abba was like this a daddy, dada, like a, basically like an infant addressing a, a, a father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So our lives are surely going to have some sort of suffering in them. Our lives are surely going to be affected by our faith, by our willingness to connect with Jesus. But we need to uh, allow that to be a mark of pride for us. This is our family. This is who we belong to. Wait, wait. Even when we ask for things to go perfectly, like in our lives, like we're still going to have problems. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy, right? Well, I mean, that's, because some people have that unrealistic expectation, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, this world in its current state is not under the power of God. This is Satan's system of things. This is, you know, God is allowing this to happen currently because he is so righteous and because he is so just, because he's, he's giving more people an opportunity to, to learn about him and to know about him and to see the difference between what a godly society would look like and outside their window, what man-made society currently is, mm. you know? So, um, you know, just, just look to it and, and realize that, you know, um, there is truly hope um, for, for us but we're still going to have problems because this world, it still belongs to Satan, the devil. Um, he doesn't have that long of a time 
you know, uh, to, to continue doing this according to the Bible. Um, but we have to, we have to withstand it. We have, to, you know, we have the opportunity to be like, uh, maybe possibly the, the last generation of people before, you know, things really take a change, you know, um, if we look to Bible prophecy. So that's certainly a time to cherish, to, to be in that time of, um, you know, prophecy. And uh, it, it's certainly going to be a tumultuous time. And, and let's not expect to have everything perfect in our lives, because if we just wait for things to be, if we wait for God to make everything perfect before we serve him, I mean, that's, it's a fool's errand. It's never going to happen. No, because we have free will and evil exists. And I, I, I hear this so much from people who have trouble with the notion of God and believing in God and, 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 and they keep losing themselves in this idea of, well, terrible things happen. So how can there be a God? Well, terrible things have always happened. It, it, there's nowhere in the Bible that says terrible things aren't going to happen. So, so rather than letting that block you uh, from creating a connection with this unifying, central source of love and energy, um, allow it to fortify your belief in that so that when things do go well, when things do turn out the way that uh, that you were hoping and praying for, that you can know that there is something out there that is looking after you. Absolutely. And, and the reason why we don't have biblical record of there not being strife is because biblical record basically starts, you know, like right after the first sin. Uh, so, you know, before <laughs> that happened, you know, I mean, we don't know what it would have looked like. Uh, what, what it would have looked like uh but just imagine a, a utopia so so yeah i mean that that is the future that we are looking towards but you know currently it's not the case but the analogy that's tried and true and it's not something that i've come up with so it's it's a good analogy <laughs> um, i like to tell people when they say you know there's bad things that happen how can how can a loving god live in you know say that he governs this world where babies are dying of leukemia and, and yet uh, these billionaires have are, are on their eighth like orangutan heart you know um and basically it's it, it's like you know if, if i had well let's say if you had a thoroughbred racehorse uh, that was known to be the fastest and i came up to you and i had a what looked to be a mule but was supposedly also a thoroughbred racehorse and I purported to have the fastest racehorse. Um, what would we have to do in order to settle the argument? Would you <laughs> shooting my horse do us any good? No, you have to run the race. Exactly. You have to run the race. So when Satan proposed that he was a better ruler and that mankind should listen to him rather than God, that was the, that was the question that was put to God right then and there. And, and God could have been unjust and wiped Satan off the earth completely, but he was just. He, he said, okay, you know, you, you raise a good point. Let's, let's see, because we're not the only people here. Keep in mind, he had already created myriads and myriads and myriads, untold numbers of angels that were there serving him. And, and they were onlooking, you know, the, the onlooking audience. You know, what, what's going to happen here? This is the entire universe. You know, and, and, they're, and they're looking at this, right? You know, and, and so God has to do what's just and right. 
And so we're seeing, you know, the end of this race. Every single type of human government has tried and has been given the chance and has failed. And once all of them have been tried and once humanity has just run the course, you know, it's time for God to step in. So, so right now we have to endure the fact that this world is not governed by God, but we can find him and we can find the way out of it. And we can endure because, and this is skipping ahead a bit to verse 31, in God's everlasting love, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. It's beautiful. I don't have any reason to be afraid. I'm not even afraid of dying anymore. I mean, yeah. it's, it's incredible. It's like, um, I'm not saying that we should be reckless and I'm not saying that we should, you know, forsake any and all rules on earth. I think that there's other biblical tests, texts that indicate that we should respect the government of, of, um, of our nation. And that, that in some ways that we need to, um, we need to find a way to coexist. Although, you know, gosh, that really gets difficult at times because yeah, that, <laughs> we live in a pretty perverted society. True, true. Yeah, as long as, as long as it doesn't come in in into uh, contradiction with you know who we truly serve and truly uh, you know if like they if they start saying you can't um, you know you can't show any faith in any deity. I mean, they they outlawed any type of uh, you know, Christianity in, in Russia for the longest time. And, you know, brothers and sisters were imprisoned many years um, over there. And, and they're imprisoned in North Korea. They're imprisoned in China because they're, they're not allowed to speak openly about their religious beliefs. And even when trying to do so, do so discreetly, they won't ever stop. And that's the only time that we're not beholden to, you know, um, the beliefs of, uh, of whichever jurisdiction you know, we, we can't be quiet about this. This is um, something that we will never, you know, throw away for any government. Yeah, we um, we have a calling. We have our understanding. We know what we're meant to do here. In verse 38, uh, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God, just, it, it's a perfect summation. There's no one, there's no one stronger, okay? So if you're really feeling like you can't, uh, like you can't, make it in this world, like you can't survive in this world as a believer of God, or if you feel like you can't make it and you're not a believer, then maybe take God into your life. Maybe just try praying. Just try it. I mean, people, you know, when, when they find out about this, you know, um, because this is really kind of my coming out party as, as a theist, really, as someone who has faith, um, <laughs> They don't know me as such. Um, I've never been open as as such. And they're going to look to me and like they're going to hold me to a higher standard. I, I hope they do. And they should. And I'm going to hold myself to a higher standard, you know. Um, but 
I, I think they should look to me as an example, as far as like, you can never be too far gone for God to love you. I just think back to who I was, you know, just driving up and down, you know, the, the East coast, you know, just, just being an absolute reckless terror, you know? Mm. Um, and just, you know, I, I didn't want to be alone with my thoughts. You know, it was a scary world to live in um, for me. And I just kind of uh, drank it away. And, you know, I, I was very, very careless. And I'm glad I, I didn't die during that time period because, I mean, I was just going on no sleep, continually just driving everywhere, just hanging out everywhere and just living a debauched life. And I just feel like the prodigal son. And it's a it's a beautiful thing when you know that your heavenly father has been there the whole time, you know, waiting for you. His arms are open all the time. It's, um, it's like, uh, this, this message of rebirth is so consistent in the new Testament because not just because of the story of Jesus and the resurrection, but because, um, God gave this sacrifice as a way to cleanse us and give us the opportunity to repent and confess. So we are, and this is like very Pentecostal language, but we are washed in the blood of God. Uh, we are washed in the blood of Christ. Um, and it, that is to say that that blood, uh, that sacrifice has made us new, that we can, um, we can be new again. There is no point at which you can't turn back and say, gosh, I really screwed up. I need, I need to make this right. I need to uh, find a way to live peaceably on this earth and, and, and make peace with God. Absolutely. Yep. Just perfectly stated. <laughs> <laughs> this was, this is like really a, a beautiful conversation. And honestly, for it, as long as you and I have known each other, I'm sure neither of us really expected that the two of us would be having this conversation on a podcast. Did you? Did you? Oh, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way. I mean, I just expected who we were just, you know, five years ago. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, it's kind of amazing that that these two rivers have kind of met, you know, Um, very divergent paths, uh, you know, I I mean, but, but also we've, we've also had a lot in common. So, um, you know, you with the musical background and and me, you know, making music and um, I I just feel like, you know, we, we've had a lot in common. I feel like we have a lot of the same humor in common too. You have a really dark sensibilities that are beautiful. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I love that. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm very glad we had this conversation. It was a long time coming, but it was also a short time coming because I didn't know, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know I, that my life was going to take this turn and I'm, I'm so glad it did. I really am just, it's the best thing that's happened in my life. Brandon, I'm, I'm really grateful to know you and I'm really grateful that we've, um, we've been able to, to reconnect, especially in this way, you know, and, and to be able to talk frankly about God and, and our, our lives have definitely, um, not been what I would think is the, the prototypical, uh, <laughs> way of, of becoming a Christian, of uh, becoming no a follower. So no way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, as usual, do you want to plug any, um, projects, any social media or anything like that? Yeah, sure. Uh, currently my, my Twitter is, uh, hobo underscore barf. Um, <laughs> it's a, a Longmont potion castle, uh, reference. Um, uh, I make music under the monikers, uh, boy Roel. 
Um, and that, uh, and also uh, P. Zarito, that's uh, my older stuff. Um, I also make music under the mon moniker Louses. That's kind of like uh, drone type stuff. But um, but Louses.bandcamp.com, P. Zarito, P. Z. O. R. I. T. O.bandcamp.com, and uh, also Goatsy.com. <laughs> bandcamp.com is the newest stuff don't, don't worry don't google there's, that last one please right but i promise you there's no go treatment i i was just testing out to see if that was an available username and it was and so <laughs> i've released my most recent stuff on on goatee.bandcamp.com um also i have a oh, i'm sorry this is like long but i have a patreon and it's uh, patreon.com slash heavy petting and uh it's going to be uh, less crass um, and less uh, less heathen-y, um, but it's still going to be good, I think. It's still going to be a product I'm proud of, and uh, for 7 bucks a month, you can get a zine of drawings and stuff and musings, and then you'll like it, I promise. It's the, it's the thing I'm most proud of, I think. So. Well, I definitely recommend it. You were um, gracious enough to send over uh, one of your zines um, last year to me, and and I've got a couple of your shirts as well, uh, which I love. So, um, some of my favorite shirts. Uh, so the uh, the poem that I was going to read today is from Philip Larkin. Uh, the poem is called "The Trees." The trees are coming into leaf, like something almost being said. The recent buds relax and spread. Their greenness is a kind of grief. Is it that they are born again, and we grow old? No. They die too. Their yearly trick of looking new is written down in rings of grain. Yet still the unresting castles thresh in full-grown thickness every May. Last year is dead, they seem to say. Begin afresh, afresh, afresh. Thanks, everybody. Your picture Something